Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I've already told you about my condition. Oh, well, only every time I see you. It's my memory. Amnesia. No, 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 no. It's different from that. I have no short-term memory. I know who I am. I know all about myself. I just... Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. I've told you this before, haven't I? What's the last thing that you do remember? My wife. My wife deserves vengeance. Doesn't make any difference whether I know about it. Just because there are things I don't remember doesn't make my actions meaningless. Hello, welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we take older movies and TV shows and we rewatch them to see how they hold up, how they fare in the cold light of modern day. <laughs> in, in sober adulthood? Yeah, that's right. I was drunk all through my childhood <laughs> yeah. and teens. Robitussin, man. That's, that's really so, so strong. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we've got an exciting episode for you about a movie from the early 2000s. But before we get to that, I do want to thank our sponsors, Andy Mattress and HelloFresh. And I want to thank all of our uh, Patreon donors. People throw in a few bucks a month, uh, help keep the show going. It's just the price of a cup of coffee or three cups of coffee. <laughs> Don't buy any one coffee anymore. <laughs> Coffee's getting expensive. <laughs> That's true. And then you have to tip them. Yeah, I know. Just give your money to us. Yeah. Don't tip people that are working really hard for not a lot of money. Just, you know, yeah, send it to our Patreon. <laughs> this week on the show, to kind of tie into uh, a movie that came out a few weeks ago, Dunkirk, we're going to be talking about Christopher Nolan's sort of breakthrough movie, Memento. Oh, was I supposed to watch that? Oh, Rob, did you forget again? Ah, uh, shit. We tattooed it on your chest. <laughs> Along with a picture of a dick, <laughs> just for fun. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. wondering how that got there. <laughs> yeah, you were really deep sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, Memento, this was a huge movie at the time, I feel like. Yeah. It definitely hit me at a time when I was impressionable to, you know, quote-unquote, art, more artistic movies, which it seemed like at the time. When did you guys first see Memento? I remember even before seeing it, people talking about it. It was one of those movies, when I was in high school, Like there was a lot of word of mouth about, and we didn't always have access to these movies because we only had a shitty video store, and we didn't actually get like the good movies in theaters. We, there'd only be like an action movie and a rom-com. There was no... In Northern like, Ontario. In Northern Ontario. Yeah. There was no like art house. There was anything black and white was assumed to be like from the 30s. Even like if it's only half black and white? <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're like, what's wrong with this projector? <laughs> so I 
did eventually see it, and I do remember my mind being blown by it. I'd never seen anything like this movie. It was so dark, and a really crazy thing about it is it's all backwards. <laughs> oh, that... That explains all of my questions that I had about this movie. Yeah, I didn't think it was very well told because it was all backwards. It was. Well, it's also only partly backwards. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not the whole thing's not backwards. No, it's sort of like there's a backwards going part and then the forwards going part that is sort of interspliced, and so mm-hmm. the backwards part is in color and the forwards part is in black and white. And they meet in the middle. And this is this sounds like a, a question on a math textbook. <laughs> what yeah. part of the movie is in black and white and is going forwards? And mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what speed movies go at. But yeah, yeah. so did you and like it? Frames you eventually second. saw it, I imagine. Yeah, I saw it. I loved it. It blew my mind. And I loved Christopher Nolan. I mean, he was one of my favorite filmmakers. And I think probably still is, even though I don't think he's as masterful as I, I think I thought he was at the time. I think that the movies he does are like really great sort of reexaminations of genre with like all these great techniques and and like a big grandiose sort of vision and i hadn't seen this movie in a long time but like i remember liking it and i remember like appreciating it for it's like it kind of has like a smaller scale compared to a lot of christopher nolan movies but it's still like big high concept thing so it's definitely like one of my favorite movies of my past yeah i mean i'm i'm with you on that i saw it when i worked at a movie theater when i was a teen and it was all we talked about. It was like that, that movie where people were coming in to see the movie and they're like, hey, you know, I want some popcorn. And be like, what movie are you seeing? And they'd be like, Memento. And be like, great. Oh, I can't wait to like see how you feel about it afterwards, like walking out of the theater because. And they're so, like, please stay away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, my name is Blaine. Here's my card. Give me a call. <laughs> I need to know. But people walking out of that movie were really divided. And, and before I even saw the movie, I saw that people walked out of it being very divided. So. I thought that I would like it and I wanted to like it because I didn't like when people hated movies. So, wow. So just I just like feel bad for the people who made those movies. Yeah. I was just like, come on. You know, they spent their whole lives trying to do this. Sorry, people <laughs> who made the last Transformers movie. It's not bad. It's, <laughs> oh, it's, it's so bad. <laughs> it's probably, it's so bad. But like, you know, movies have multiple reasons no. for existing and stuff. No. So <laughs> it's a movie for kids. You know, we're not kids. So, but Memento was a movie for kids and I, <laughs> and I wanted to be a filmmaker. So watching someone make a like kind of student film but on the big screen uh was kind of really cool ouch yeah it's a little bit harsh <laughs> no i'm well it's gene kinda... shallot over here <laughs> <laughs> but it, i also i also had seen clean slate and so i was kind of like oh, oh yeah this kind of steals that idea but it does it like Samuel Beckett style with Betrayal. So I like already had these like points of reference while watching this I movie. I believe Betrayal was by Pinter. Oh, it was by Pinter. And that, yeah, and that one's, it's a backwards play, right? It's a backwards play and it's about an affair that, that happens. Right. Did you write anything backwards after you saw this movie? <laughs> no, only when I was like really sick, <laughs> possessed by demons. No. So I did love this movie. I, I loved it. I thought that the whole Sammy Jenkins stuff was really, because beyond the structure of the movie he had twists in this movie which i i love i love twists in a good in a good movie so so yeah i thought it was really rewatchable what about you jam yeah i saw this movie in the theater because (laughs) i think like this was you know the internet was still kind of in its infancy yeah so there wasn't like i only heard about this movie because it was on siskel and ebert oh And I guess maybe Siskel wasn't around anymore, but whatever Ebert's show was, and, and they kind of Ebert highlighted and Roper? it. Yeah. Yeah, well, before Roper was around, they kind of had a guests and stuff. I, I don't know who, 
we're not talking about Siskel and Ebert. It, I, I don't remember who it was, but uh, Siskel and Mike Tyson. <laughs> and this was like a movie that really just pushed a lot of buttons for me. I think I was getting really into like film noir. This was kind of a neo noir, yeah. And obviously, like it's got a lot of sort of interesting formal aspects to it. I haven't seen it, or I hadn't before. Just now, seen it for probably 10 years or, or more. Like it was the first DVD I got. I got it for Christmas when right. my family got wow. a DVD player. Did you watch the DVD? Did you like watch it when you got it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I, I saw it twice in the theater too. I really liked it. And, but I think there's been kind of a backlash against Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. There's also like, there's a contingent of people that love him. And then I feel like a good kind of portion of sort of film, fans like make fun of those people because there are there are things definitely that christopher nolan keeps doing in his movies that are ridiculous Mm -hmm, Uh, (laughs) dead wives (laughs) yeah Yeah. dead wives dudes with like slick back hair (laughs) yeah no like i mean he's got like and and his movies obviously keep getting bigger and bigger and to the Mm -hmm. point where dunkirk's kind of like everyone's making jokes about how you have to watch it on the side of a building (laughs) yeah you know in a 120 millimeter yeah yeah so i feel like i was personally interested to go back and see if this movie held up in that context in which we we you know some people still like Christopher Nolan but there's definitely like an air of, of this guy's got a thing that we can all laugh at to a certain degree and I say that as I'd say I'm a fan I love the prestige like yeah, that's the my favorite is, oh, yeah. by far yeah. so good and obviously I'm a fan of the Batman movies Batman's are great. I'm a Batman fan but let's get into what happens in Memento because there's a lot of stuff to talk about I, and again I didn't remember any of this so it was almost like the character <laughs> in the movie yeah. and we also watched it a week ago because we were going to record this episode last yeah. week but Rob didn't watch it. I forgot. Legit. <laughs> so I'm also like, I wrote notes while watching it, and I'm going through my notes trying to make sense of what they mean. So I feel a little like the character. You're too. reconstructing your memories, That's right? Yeah. I rewatched this. I had gotten DVDs that I didn't ever watch. They were like the special edition DVDs that were all the the kind of psychological profile written on the on the right uh, the files the files. Yeah, and I put it in my Blu-ray player and. Um, and I didn't know how to play it because the title, like the, the way to select what you play is like you select like a, a picture of a fish or a duck. Like you do all these <laughs> yeah. weird psychological tests. Yeah. To like try to play this movie. It's like you're Michael Douglas in the game. At the <laughs> beginning yeah. You're trying to, like, yeah they have to like ask you about like wh- how often you masturbate before you can like watch a deleted right. scene or something. Like, Don't worry. It's just a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I found out where I am on the Kinsey scale to watch this movie. It's I awful. Thought, yeah. I, I actually I put in the DVD because you yeah. told me how crazy it was and i was like blaine's exaggerating because <laughs> no. i i didn't have the special edition i had the regular one yeah i was watching it with with my fiance and she was like okay so when are we gonna play it and i'm like i'm trying <laughs> like <laughs> no time <laughs> that dvd ruined your relationship yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and people like now are like saying it's too bad physical media died it's like yeah i think this dvd killed it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it people so rented true. this movie and couldn't even watch it within the rental period because they had to solve all these goddamn tests it was like the stereotypical like man woman in a car thing where i was like I think this is where we have to go, and she's like, "Just admit we're lost." And look I'm up like, in yeah. direction. Call Christopher Nolan. I don't have to call Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to look it up online. I'm not going to do it. But I looked it up online because I had to to get <laughs> the fucking movie. It was ridiculous. Wow. As an old, like I would have loved that in my early twenties or like as a teenager, I would have been like, "This is so cool." Like I'm the only one that can solve this. But now I'm like, I just want to watch the fucking movie, Christopher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> totally. On. Like I've got shit to do. Like, I don't need a game to, to watch. A 
movie in the two hours I've carved out for this. I'm watching this to forget about other things, okay? <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, so let's run down the plot of this movie. What happens in Memento, Rob? You know, I just got to get my notes. Let me take my shirt off. <laughs> no, don't actually take your shirt off. Oh He's actually God. doing it. Okay. Uh, There's no tattoos, just Memento. a lot of chest hair. Yeah. And you even really stain down your chest. I don't know how that got there. <laughs> I thought I tattooed myself. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, so... <laughs> It sort of starts with a Polaroid, a Polaroid of a body, mm-hmm. blood splattered, lying face down, prone in a dirty basement. And then after like looking at it for a long time, it sort of flips and we see it sort of get lighter and it flips and we see it get lighter and it flips. If you kids don't know what I'm talking about, this is an listen, older technology. Listen to the song, Hey Ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's about a Polaroid. Yeah. You're actually not supposed to do that to a Polaroid. No, I hear it. Yeah. That, doesn't yeah. it fuck it up or something? Yeah. It fucks up the, yeah, the maturation of the, of the film. They yeah. couldn't even make this movie now <laughs> from the very opening scene. Well, I think like there's like new kind of hip Polaroids that you can take because everything's on a, on a camera phone now. We you have to like shake your phone in order to develop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah, it's true. Like most of this movie is a guy taking Polaroid pictures and talking on a landline. <laughs> yeah. Like when we decided to do this movie, I was like, isn't this movie a little recent? <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. yeah. But so then comes in Joe Pantoliano. And Leano. <laughs> oh, shit. Joey Pants. Yeah, Joey Pants to his friends. I'm yeah. just going to call him Joey Pants. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think Joey we're Pants. friends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we see, actually, we, we don't even know it's him, but we just see, like, the body, and we see, like, a bullet explode out of it and, you know, fly into the gun that Guy Pierce is holding. Mm-hmm. And then we see, like, another scene, which is in black and white. And this yeah. is, like, the structure of the movie. Like, there's a scene in backwards and a scene going forward in black and light where he's like talking on the phone with somebody and shaving yeah. his legs and he doesn't re- <laughs> and he doesn't really know just a friday night it's, it's a little like silence of the lambs um and <laughs> I, I can totally get why people who were older at the time may have been a little like looking down their nose at this movie and also why like a 17 year old me would love this movie yeah because it's like a guy with a gun in a dirty basement and now things are black and white and you know like <laughs> oh I know I know like, I can I, yeah, I can, and I, I do think it's a good movie but like I can totally see I like <laughs> if I were an adult making this movie I'd be I'd feel a little self-conscious I feel like <laughs> yeah well he's still pretty young at this point making this yeah, movie like he just made following before this and I, I, I don't think he necessarily should because it is yeah. it is at its at its core a film noir and those are yeah. like, two yeah. staples of that subgenre mm-hmm. yeah exactly or movements or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because uh, Matrix was around this time, too. And uh, there's two stars of the Matrix in this movie. Yeah, well, that's this movie right. takes place within the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know go. if you caught oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. it. It's a glitch in the Matrix, his memory thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so Joey Pants is the guy that got shot. And we... S- it seems like they're sort of like friends at first, but he has a Polaroid that says that he's not supposed to trust him mm-hmm. um, and that he's the one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it seems like he has to kill him. So he does. And we only see like so much of the scene leading up to the last scene that we saw, which was him getting shot. Mm-hmm. And I think another interesting thing about this movie is I think people remember it as a gimmick movie mm-hmm. because telling it backwards is very gimmicky. And it's it's obviously... I'm not saying anything that isn't completely obvious here, but I was reminded rewatching it how much it's not a gimmick so much as it is the only way to tell the story of this character. Yeah. Like the only way to put us in the shoes of a guy who doesn't know why he's there is to tell it backwards. So, I mean, I would say the gimmick is more the idea that he doesn't have 
a memory. Sh- yeah, short term memory. memory. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's interesting that like the backwards technique doesn't feel like there's lots of movies that have similar gimmicks and it feels gimmicky. And at no point did it even really feel gimmicky because we're experiencing everything the way he does. If that yeah. makes sense. Well, and and what I love about this movie is that it if it is a gimmick, people say it's used so well. Uh, like he uses it to do everything you probably could with this gimmick. Like have people take advantage of it, but we don't really understand that. Yeah. Or like when he's running away from a guy and he's like oh I guess I'm chasing that guy and then the guy shoots at him and he's <laughs> nope. like nope so yeah, he, he's chasing me <laughs> yeah he's yeah, chasing yeah. me yeah so it, it really works because he uses the gimmick to the fullest that he can yeah and I think in some future movies he does where they do have a gimmick he doesn't use that gimmick at all and we might talk about that later but I, I also yeah. think moments like that just because you were talking about that scene where it's like oh he's chasing me yeah like I think people one of the criticisms people talk about when they talk about Christopher Nolan is how sort of self-serious he is oh and, no jokes at yeah, all. yeah granted Dunkirk is not hilarious <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like I remember that being a huge laugh line like in the theater like yeah it's a funny moment and yeah Guy Pierce's kind of deadpan delivery through the whole thing is, is often yeah, quite funny. He has some funny moments. Yeah. Even though he's like mumbly throughout the black and white bits, it's really hard to hear what he's saying. You have to really turn the volume up. Yeah. yeah read his chest. Yeah. <laughs> explaining it. Maybe that's where Bane got it from. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we slowly get some details about him. He's like staying at a hotel. Uh, Mark Boone Jr. is like screwing him over for an extra room. <laughs> Mark Boone Jr. What else has he been? How do you know that name? He's in everything. Yeah? Yeah. Is he like one of those big characters like Steven Tablanowski or whatever? Tabalowski? Steven Tobolowski. Tobolowski. Yeah, Steven Tobolowski. A fellow podcaster. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. The Tobolowski Files. Mm -hmm. Mark Boone Jr. probably has a podcast. He's in in Batman Begins. Yeah. I remember that. And Uh, a bunch of other stuff. Lots of stuff, yeah. Yeah. And he's also, he has this like coaster in his pocket that says that he's supposed to go and meet this woman at this bar. So he goes to do that. Wait, uh, isn't that? at the end which is the beginning okay now I'm getting confused I mean like (laughs) this is what happens when we watch a backwards movie (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah well I guess there's more stuff with Joey Pants first like we get more of you know we see everything that leads up to the murder yeah that's right yeah, it's so it's slowly going back. Yeah, he so, meets so, up with Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. Um, at first, like she sort of comes in, and it, you know, she's like her face is messed up, and uh, like she's been like hit or something, and yeah. she's crying, saying that somebody beat her up, and and Guy Pierce is like, okay, like you know, and asking him to like do something uh, about it. Uh, and in the previous scene, I like think we, that's at the, at the end too. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, he shows up, and he's like. <laughs> He has the picture of the guy. Oh, you're right. There's all like the stuff in the. Uh, yeah, because he he like beats up Callum Keith Rennie. Oh, I should have watched this forward. <laughs> well, that's an option if you can like you wade get through, through the, the d- fucking games on that DVD. Then yeah. there's a way to watch it forward. Yeah, I think it's a uh, mouse duck and the word blast. <laughs> I think that's how you watch and it. And all yeah. of your time. <laughs> and all of your time. Small price God to pay. Damn it. But yeah, that's right. I Ugh. forgot that he has Callum Keith Rennie in a closet tied yeah. up. Uh, Canada's own Callum Keith Rennie. Yeah, right. Canadian. Yeah, yeah. 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 There we go. And yeah, and he like, he and John G like bring him to like some place and we don't know if like they're going to kill him or whatever. But then he goes back and he's like with the Polaroids like, why the fuck did you want me to do this? And then in the other scene, we see her explaining that he beat her up. Mm-hmm. But then we find out that, you know, eventually, I don't, I don't know how to tell this, you know, <laughs> in the uh, web of 
logic that uh, this movie is, but like it's actually him that that you know inflicted the damage on her. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, that's definitely towards the end when we find that out. Yeah, and, and I love uh, I love what this gimmick does. This structure does is is that it makes us the detective in the movie because we yeah. keep on seeing clues. And we've already seen the, the aftermath, but we keep on seeing clues that there's something not right here, that this yeah. is leading to something more, that maybe he might have killed the wrong guy, and like all that stuff. And is that people kind of are set taking up. advantage of him, like yeah. Mark Boone Jr., yeah. uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. It seems like he says that the only thing that he can trust is like his own handwriting, but we don't even know if that's true. Right. And, and also, some of his tattoos aren't in his own handwriting. Well, yeah, other people have right, done yeah. it, right? Yeah. Uh, but in the flash to the very beginning, he is in the hotel room giving himself a tattoo. Yeah, a uh, prison tattoo. Yeah. So it seems like why would he go to a tattoo shop to get all these tattoos? He would just do it himself, and he only trusts it looks his like own a handwriting. Yes. It would. Well, yeah. Also, also, you probably like, couldn't do it on anywhere. Well, else, you, know, you know, he's got to look at it for the rest of his life. You know, he might as well get it done by a professional. Yeah. It's also a good thing he didn't have any tattoos before he started this quest, because like then he'd come out of his uh, his amnesia and be like, "Oh, Metallica! I guess I've got to go to a Metallica concert now." <laughs> yeah. What does this anchor mean? You know, that would be a really good way <laughs> to, to live your life. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. just forget all your troubles and go see a heavy metal concert, <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. perpetual bliss. Yeah, he tries to like learn Chinese. Yeah, to, that's, that's <laughs> what he Mandarin to like instead of decode per- his his tramps. I think I'm part of a tribe. <laughs> <laughs> instead of trying to like perpetually avenge his wife's death, and we haven't even really talked about that backstory, but maybe he should have just tattooed like one thing that was like really fun, like just yeah, Disneyland or something. <laughs> like so, every day he just feels like he's compelled to go to Disneyland, and that's <laughs> yeah. how he spends the rest of his life. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> Sing like no one's listening, dance like no one's watching. Uh, so, yeah, we, we should talk about the backstory because he talks yeah. a lot about the backstory. Well, it's sort of on revealed. Those, like, forward scenes. We see, like, on his chest that, like, somebody raped and murdered his wife. Yeah. And we see it sort of, like, flashes back. We see, like, the image of her, like, wrapped in a shower curtain and then, like, bits so. of the assault. And so, yeah, it turns out while he was confronting the attackers, he shot one of them, yeah. but then he got hit from behind and got a, a devastating injury, which has caused this anti-retrograde amnesia, mm-hmm. which he has been experiencing. Yeah. And before this, he was an insurance investigator. Right. So he's telling the story of Sammy Jenkins. Yeah. He has this tattoo. Black and white scenes. Yeah. He has this tattoo on his hand that says, remember Sammy Jenkins. And, uh, and again, good thing that's not the name of like, yeah, an indie band. <laughs> yeah. It probably yeah. is now. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> save Ferris. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> I've got to save this Ferris person. <laughs> yeah. But Sammy Jenkins is the Stephen Tobolowsky character. Yeah. He uses that as kind of like... Yeah, his mantra, because that that was a character that supposedly had the same condition as him. Yeah, I like that the guy who's the insurance agent in Groundhog Day is the guy who needs insurance in Memento. <laughs> I thought, That's pretty funny. you know, because when we get down to, like, untangling what this movie's about, and they kind of imply that Sammy Jenkins' story isn't what he said. Yes. And it, it calls into question everything that he's been telling. I remember being a kid and being like, well, who the fuck is Sammy Jenkins if he if he's telling the story of himself essentially? And, and I, you know, I was younger. I probably looked up on like an early version of IMDb Stephen Tobolowsky's roles, and then remembered, oh shit, yeah, he was Ned Ryerson. <laughs> he played an insurance guy on Groundhog Day. Did, are they implying that in his mind he's flipped the roles? That Sammy Jenkins was the insurance investigator, and that he was the patient? And are 
forecasting that to us by casting the insurance guy from Groundhog Day, which is his, you know, his most right. famous role. You had too much time on your hands. I was 17. <laughs> what am I going to do? Like meet girls, enjoy my youth. <laughs> yeah. Go to Disneyland. Yeah. Actually, while we're talking about like wasted time uh, <laughs> in my teens, there was like a website, right? It was www. Autnemem, which is memento backwards.com. Oh, oh you had to type it in a mirror. And oh I was my like, God. And I remember there being like so all stupid. these things, like the DVD, like with clues and newspaper clippings and yeah. all these things well, that's that you can puzzle fun. through. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, I wonder if I can find like an image of it yeah. online. It's still up there. Oh, yeah. You can go through the very like early like flash website Holy and, fuck. and read so these fun. newspaper clippings and stuff. It's kind of like what they're doing for Ready Player One right now is, uh, okay. is doing a whole bunch of like because it's it's about an Easter egg hunt in this massive online game, the movie. And and so the movie marketing is doing that, too. Like the title is even a maze to an Easter egg. And there's a QR code on like one frame of the trailer and stuff. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Like. I love that stuff. The, and Christopher Nolan does that stuff a lot. Like with Dark Knight, they did that a lot where right. I remember people walking around in like Joker outfits and you would no, follow that's them. No, that's just idiots. <laughs> you had to like follow them somewhere and there'd be something at City Hall about it. It was really nuts. The yeah. Marketing for I that. think I went to one of those things. Yeah. It was like a scavenger hunt and me and my friend were like, this seems like a big pain in the ass. And it like started like right by a movie theater. And then we're like, it's probably just going to end at this movie theater and they're going to screen something. So we just went to the movie theater and they're like, yep. (laughs) That was was where the scavenger hunt leads. Mystery solved. And yeah, it was just like a trailer or something. Uh It was pretty dumb. Yeah. But, yeah, that stuff can be cool. And it's it's neat. I think you should check out. We'll we'll put a link to the to the old website up on our Facebook so people can check it out. It's kind of a, an interesting blast from the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember like getting into like the theorizing and stuff about this movie and there yeah. wasn't, you know, as much of it. Cause again, like the internet was less, was less prevalent with, with that kind of thing at the time. I mean, well, yeah. there definitely old forums and things where you can look up people's theories. You couldn't just go to IMDb trivia and read everything about the movie. <laughs> no, no, yeah. certainly not. Yeah. But what did you guys think? Do you feel like this is a movie that you want to like dig in and try to solve? Or is it a movie where you just kind of want to watch it and enjoy the the feeling and experience of it? I want to solve it. And honestly, like, even watching it this time, I felt myself trying to solve the mystery. And I think there are a lot I'm more- glad you said that, Rob. Blaine, boil some coffee. We're going <laughs> to pull an all-nighter. We're going to solve this thing, the three of us. Let's just take a quick break and hear a few short messages. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, we're back. It's the Rewatchability Podcast. We're talking about the 2000 movie Memento. We're going to solve this thing. We're going to untangle these uh, these various theories about what happened. Joey Pant is Guy Pierce. <laughs> They're it's all in his mind. Like well, yeah, we talked it, about last week. He shoots the three. himself. Well, like <laughs> yeah. we we're saying, so that like they kind of hint at the idea that the Sammy Jenkins story isn't true because yeah. we have that quick frame of Guy Pierce in Stephen Tobolowsky's place. Yeah, in let's the just talk about the Sammy Jenkins thing a bit more because okay. I think it's actually like if you took it out of this movie it would still be kind of like 
a wonderful, yeah, wonderful it's a, thing. It's a cool like story. a good short film. And Stephen Tobolowsky is amazing in it. Yeah. He's great. And like, yeah, he usually plays like a comic character, but like, it's heartbreaking when he's like, he's so frustrated at it. His wife is trying to yeah. like get him to like learn so that he can like remember things. He has the same sort of anti-retrograde amnesia as Guy Pierce's character. And, yeah. but he can't pick it up. Unlike Guy Pierce's character, he doesn't sort of respond to conditioning. So he's like, he's like always picking up the electric triangle and the way I, that I love that he like I think he's very funny in that too when he's yeah. like picking up objects and then he picks up the thing and he's like fuck you <laughs> and he's I'll, so mad it's I, so funny I do have to mention that in that scene the doctor's played by Tom Lennon yeah who also plays a doctor in The Dark Knight Rises Okay. And I think he said on a podcast that, that he asked Christopher Nolan and he said it was the same doctor. So this is technically a movie in the DC universe, <laughs> like Batman is somewhere in this world of Memento. I love that he was like to the director, like, this is the same character, right? Because then I can use a lot. And then he was just like, fuck, yeah, whatever. I, I got to shoot this whole film. <laughs> I got to shoot like a spaceship and gliding through city streets in 10 minutes. Yeah, like you're the doctor. Like, <laughs> you think you're Batman? Like, come on. Sure, yeah. you're from Memento. Come no, but on, I like the it. fact that he brought him back to do sure. a similar yeah. character. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Well, so Chami Jenkins' wife, like, tr- sort of in order to, like, see if he's really faking it, she she can't quite believe him and, like, mm-hmm. Guy Pierce's character has She's said that only too. mentally, it's not like, yeah, he, yeah. she is great. Yeah, so a woman She's, who played Frasier's agents on Frasier. She's, She's wonderful. Yeah. It's crazy. He has, she has him like overdose her on her insulin medication. Yeah. But yeah. then we find out that Joey Pants tells us, you know, at the moment where he's about to, you know, get shot, I guess, that it was all, that it was him that like, you know, the Sammy Jenkins thing was him. He actually well, And that his wife survived the incident. Yeah, the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he killed his own wife and the person that he's looking to to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess because he's able to respond to conditioning, he's like created this memory. Oh, my God. It is. It is the three. He like he is the killer as well. Like that's it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting, but we also don't know if it's true, right? Yeah. Like that's that's partly what's kind of interesting about this movie. He's suggestible, so as soon as Joey Pants says it, it becomes true in a way to him, but yeah. it doesn't have to be factual. Right. And like we see the same shot played in two different ways, like one where he's just like pinching his wife's thigh, which is weird, and then yeah. one where he's like lying on the bed giving her a shot of insulin, which is also weird. Like, why would you... <laughs> Hey, go in that position for your sexy shot of insulin. (laughs) (laughs) I think you would make it sexy. Like strip down of those panties and somebody needs a a hot insulin injection. (laughs) Yeah, and the doctor character is like, "Why am I not in this scene? I'm the doctor. (laughs) Put me in." Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready, coach. (laughs) Like neither of those scenes seemed like realistic at all. That he would like inject inject his wife like that, or that he would just like pinch her randomly like a psycho. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I found that kind of. Rob, why did you do that? <laughs> I'm trying to overdose here. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there was also another thing that they do is like he has this whole speech where he talks about waking up and feeling the other side of the bed and it being cold because his wife's not there. And that's when he gets up and sees her. Yeah. And, realizes and she's that's being one attacked. of the saddest parts of the movie. And it's repeated over and over again. And there's also Carrie Moss does it as well, because we find out that it's written on one of the polars that she's lost someone. So she'll try to help you out of pity. It turns out that the person that she's lost is the person that. Guy Pierce has killed at the right. before the events of the movie. He does everything that he's trying to solve in this movie. He like, yeah. kills a guy, he beats her up, he kills Joe Pantaleone, he murdered yeah. his wife. That 
you know, it, I, I don't even know what I think at this point, but like if there's a theory that he maybe attacked his wife and she fought back or something and that's what gave him the memory thing, like, because right. otherwise why have a guy like punch a woman in the face? Like that's like, I know she was like berating him, but that's, yeah, uh, yeah. That's awful. I never thought of that. And I wondered if I wonder if it's worst, supposed to telegraph that he's abusive. The worst part of this movie is that like they've devised a scene in which a woman is trying to get punched in the face by by a guy. Like right. that's hard. That's hard to like <laughs> rationalize in pitching this movie. It's like yeah, she wants to be punched, and that's why he punches her. I don't so know if she feel, wanted to be punched. Yeah, she, she, yeah, because she, she wanted to pretend that she wanted to get him to kill Callum Keith. Right, right, right. Yeah, so she's egging him on, trying to get him to punch her, and it's like no, 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 no. He doesn't abuse her because she wants to be punched. And it's like oh fuck, like <laughs> that's a little weird in this movie. And I I get it from the story's perspective. Like she's trying to do this in some Machiavellian scheme to get a guy killed. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think if it's trying to imply that he like may have killed his wife and yeah. was abusive to her, I think it's brilliant. I think if it's not that it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you just like straight up, but like just leave. Like, if she's yeah. yelling at you. Just, just go away. Yeah. yeah. Just, just leave guys. Yeah. And just they- leave guy. <laughs> pierce the doorway and, uh, but yeah don't do something you can't forget <laughs> but yeah there's another really sad scene yeah women aren't aren't treated very well in this movie because in Christopher sense, Nolan movies if there are women in Christopher Nolan movies uh, they <laughs> they're all just well. reflections of the men <laughs> so he hires a prostitute to oh, put yeah. stuff around his room oh, and then creepy. and then when he falls asleep leave to the bathroom so that he can think his wife is there for just a minute and that's him giving himself disneyland that's like that's oh, that right oh yeah it's like him trying to do something nice for himself should have taken yeah. that escort to disneyland <laughs> yeah. and she like try the escort tries to use the hairbrush and he's like no no don't use it just you know you know place it places put it places you know yeah yeah it's just really like you creepy. were like you know just leaving it places yeah it's that's weird Although Again, probably a yeah. good client because you don't have to do much. So you know, <laughs> yeah, that's you get right. paid. But it's pretty, it's pretty creepy. Now I remember at the time, like the shot of Guy Pierce in the hospital, that quick, you know, couple of frames of, of him yeah. in, in Stephen Tobolowsky's place. I remember people not noticing that and yeah. feeling not superior, but being like, like, I noticed that. Well, same with uh, Fight Club where he like, Tyler Durden shows up in blips before he actually yeah. shows up. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I, I was just a dumb kid and there was a ton of stuff I did not notice ever until I read it online for this <laughs> podcast. There's a bunch of weird, subtle differences in just like objects, almost like, you know, what people say they did with the shining, like these kind of like uh, purposeful continuity errors, right? Like the photo of Jimmy and Natalie that he looks at in her house. Are, Which is Carrie Ann Moss and, uh, yeah, and the guy her, he killed. Her boyfriend who, yeah. who we find out is, is the guy he killed at, you know, the end or the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. They're just slightly different. I think in one, he doesn't have a mustache. They're posed ever so slightly differently, but they're supposed to be the same photograph. Right. Teddy's license plate, the spacing is slightly different in different parts of the movie. What? The writing on the coaster is clearly like, just a little different. Oh, I didn't Are notice you sure? that at all. I, I, there's pictures of it and, and these theories. And well, because like, if, if it's just from your memory, like memory yeah. can change the oh, color shit. of a car or, yeah. <laughs> no, or how but, good a uh, movie is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I was wondering, you know, like maybe that's people reading into it too much. Like this was a, you know, kind of an indie movie. Like maybe they just fucked up the continuity. But then I was reading a bit about the DVD that we were talking about. And you probably don't know this because you gave up 
the watching frust- it the and, most you know, frustrating rented it on iTunes or something yeah. instead. You'd never avenge your wife. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently on the DVD commentary that Nolan does, like th- this for sure made me think that those things are all on purpose because he's crazy enough to do this. The last 15 minutes of the DVD commentary, there are four versions of it. Okay. The, the, it splits off into four different endings in the DVD commentary. What? I guess the first one is just kind of normal. Uh, the second one for Christopher Nolan. I don't know what the I don't know what they all do, but I know two of them have completely contradictory information. In one of them, he says like what Teddy's saying is absolutely what happened. Like that's right. the solution. And in the other one, he's like Teddy's obviously lying here. Like that's not what happened. Oh, uh, that's so weird. <laughs> so yeah, that's it, kind of fun too. Like that's it's creating this. Like, like you said, The Shining, like creating the story around the story, right? Yeah. Part of the marketing, but also part of the enjoyment of a film, right? And a, a way to keep the op- movie open ended, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like movies that you know can be ambiguous or that like the answers aren't all given to you. Now it seems like such a rare thing. Like they give you all the answers in the trailer. Yeah, no, exactly. They give you. I mean, most movies they give you all the answers in the trailer. Now you're totally right. Yeah. Like, and one of the sort of most intriguing shots I remember, like the thing that occupied my mind the most when I saw it as a kid was the one of the final shots in the movie where he sees that image of himself with his wife with the I've done it tattoo on the spot where he right. said he's going to tattoo himself when he actually killed John G. Mm-hmm. What did you guys make of that? Did you just think it was like a fantasy or did you think? Yeah, well, yeah, it's got to be a fantasy. Does it? <laughs> yeah. No reality though. <laughs> yeah, he just like goes back to her. <laughs> she just like you know moved to the coast. <laughs> also, it made me think. I don't know if there's any reason why we should think this is kind of ridiculous, but like, was the wife that was killed? a different woman like could he remarry could those scenes in the fucked up chronology of this movie could that scene and the other scenes of his wife be in his future where he gets all of his tattoos removed and then reapplied i guess (laughs) it doesn't make sense but i did wonder about like the identity of the woman who's killed because she's always in the shower curtain we never actually see her in the attack i wonder if there's something there if it's like a different person yeah Hmm. yeah i didn't think about that yeah. His wife is uh, the president's daughter's bodyguard in West Wing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think she can also handle Also in herself. the DC universe now. <laughs> yeah, so right. Washington, right. DC. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh, that's interesting. I, I honestly didn't think that there was still more theories about this movie that I hadn't thought about. Like, I thought that it was pretty, like, cut and dry. Like, you know, oh, it's just like a movie. It's just backwards. It's just backwards. And he has amnesia. Yeah. I never really thought about any of the scenes being the future of what he does. Like after he kills Joey pants, um, which is kind of, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Very, very Lostian thing to think. Well, definitely that one shot is either a fantasy or in the future because he's got all of his tats, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But does he like, I can't remember. Does he ever like when he kills Joey Pants? Does he like let himself conclude the mystery, or does he like give himself another mystery the way that he does at after killing uh, Carrie Ann Moss's boyfriend? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I I always read it as like he wanted to stop the cycle of violence, and he knew he was being used by Joey Pants to you know like 
kill these drug dealers and, and take that's, their money, yeah. which is a terrible plan. <laughs> that's the weirdest part of the movie that I didn't remember from watching it the first time is that Joey Pantoliano is like using this guy without a memory to kill drug dealers, which is stupid. Like that's a st- like, that's really stupid, right? It's also like, why can't he do it? Because he still yeah. just goes to he's, the crime yeah. scene and like gets it's, all of his and footprints and, and he's a crooked cop. Fingerprints. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It's the worst plan. And then like they, in, in the, you know, the beginning of the movie, which is the end of the movie, they go there days later and like all the stuff's still there. Like the yeah. truck's still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just seems like if I had watched that in a movie without any of the rigmarole around it, I would be like, this is a stupid movie. Like, <laughs> a cop is using a guy with no memory to kill people? Like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, that's a stupid idea for a movie. I guess it does seem kind of dumb. But it, it works because it, it's not... It's not the thrust of the movie, and it's not the it's not the plot of the movie yeah. at all. Yeah, and the drug dealer's mustache. The drug dealer's mustache makes the movie work for me. <laughs> and uh, Joey Pants's mustache. And yeah. all the people that know him are, like, oddly cool with his... Like yeah. condition they're just like yeah you're the memory guy it's like well aren't you like a little concerned that he won't remember you well, we and don't might do something awful we don't see it the times that he explains it a million times before that yeah no i know I, but i'm just saying like why would you just like think that guy could be like part of your cadre of like drug dealers <laughs> and be like I, I think that might be a liability to have like a guy who can't remember more than five minutes at a time also it's weird that th- this is a reverse Groundhog Day because for everyone that isn't him, it's Groundhog Day when they <laughs> when they interact with him. That's right. Yeah, it's so weird. I was listening to the you know the next next picture show podcasts. Yeah, and they did an episode. They paired Memento with Finding Dory. Okay, which mm. I thought was funny. But they were talking about how when you know, which I didn't even really remember, but when you know that by the end of the movie that there's forty grand in cash from that drug dealer in the trunk of the car. Yeah, Guy Pierce is driving around. Suddenly, the reason why Joey Panliano keeps popping up places is yeah. he's just trying to get into that trunk well, the whole movie. He, yeah, like the the first scene is like him, like, "Hey, can I get that car? Uh, yeah, exactly. you want me to drive? That's my car. That's my car. Yeah, he <laughs> lies about it and then tries to get a drive. Ah, like, which yeah. I thought, I thought, I'm a giant <laughs> Oh man, see, that's what I remember from the movie too. Is that there's this big scene where he kind of flips out and is like, "You're looking for a John G? Everyone's a John G. I'm a John G." But then he doesn't really say it like that. It's it's very calm. They also never explain. How he came up with John G. Like that's so spe- like the police don't even think there was a second attacker, but he yeah. knows that it's he knows his the first name. name and yeah. last it could have been fed by Joey Pants. I mean, uh, also in why did he pick his file. own name? That would be a terrible idea. Yeah. Pick yeah, any so. other name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might be setting myself up for something here. He Maybe talk- if I just call myself Teddy, I'll be fine. <laughs> Joey Pants talks about how like you know there's a bunch of pages missing from his case file and how Guy Pierce was the one who took them out. Yeah, you know, so he's been manipulating his own memory the whole time maybe for sure you know, that's something he put in there yeah he could he could have chosen john g as a name for the person that he wanted to kill too but it, it more seems like teddy would have done it because he's trying to get this guy to kill drug dealers so the first drug, drug dealer he would have wanted to kill would have been a john g it all has to be john g so that's got to be complicated he's like yeah. going through the case files looking at all the john g's who they yeah. might be able to like get twenty thousand or sixty thousand dollars from yeah in, in the world of this movie big bang theory star johnny galecki murdered <laughs> that show did not exist and yeah, yeah we're all better the big bang it. theory was his death novelist john grisham also deceased yeah <laughs> and uh i don't have a third one for you guys i really can't think of another john g but i mean the biggest 
sort of plot hole people throw at this movie is the idea that if he can't make any new memories after that incident, why does he remember how to describe his condition in detail to everybody? And well, wh- he says he he says like Sammy Jenkins wasn't able to be conditioned, but he was, yeah. and through repetition, yeah. he can do certain things. I so, completely agree, and that makes total sense to me in the world of the story. I agree. Like watching yeah. it now, it, that almost seemed like the the kind of a focus in a way because he's yeah th- he's talking about how Sammy Jenkins couldn't do that. And he's, he's learned to do that. And that's, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's silly. It doesn't totally make sense, but yeah, I, I think you're right within the world of the movie. I think that it makes sense. And they, they talk about it so much. Yeah. And those are the rules of the world that were set up. And, and I think this movie is brilliant in the way it operates within the rules that it's set up. I think Christopher Nolan's really a genius at that. Um, like yeah. with the prestige and, uh, uh, even insomnia to a certain point. Like I, I think he, he does that really well. Everything seems very organic for sure. Um, so I, yeah, those complaints I think are kind of unfounded. Yeah. Well, I think it's easy to, it's a movie that's easy to bash because the concept does seem so like you said, uh, f- student filmy. Right. But I mean, it's just like, it's just really broad, you know, yeah. it's a b- broad, big concept that's easy to explain. And once you like really think about it, like that aspect isn't so fascinating. But all the stuff that's like within that, like um, the layers of like of him being deceived, of self-deception, all of that stuff, I think, is is kind of unimpeachable. Like like that's yeah. good material. Like that's yeah. good mystery solving stuff. For sure. And the fact that we're trying to solve a mystery that's already been solved is genius. Like, yeah, that's amazing. The mystery of whether this is good. <laughs> I think there's well, also we're to solve that this hour. I think there's something about Christopher Nolan that maybe I don't know if people are misinterpreting it or it's the way he presents himself. I think it's because he dresses in suits and has a British accent. People and, and you know, he's not very friendly either. Is he not? I don't know. He doesn't seem very friendly. Like a lot of filmmakers are like, hey, fans, you know, we got the new Batman trailer coming. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Twitterverse. <laughs> well, okay. So he's not a giant piece of shit. Is what you're <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems a little cold and distant, maybe like his, his movies. I don't know. But I don't know. Like, I think the thing about Christopher Nolan that I think if we kind of recontextualize how we think about his movies, if we think of him as more of like almost like a B movie director, like a real genre guy. Mm -hmm. Like I think he, you know, people say like, Oh, he's trying to be Kubrick or something. I think if you kind of put that aside and just look at what he's doing, you know, Memento feels like a B noir. It feels like the plot of like, yeah, like a a movie for a low budget movie from the fifties or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, inception. I remember him giving interviews where he said he wanted to make a James Bond movie, but he wanted to do it with like dream dimensions instead of, countries right and if you watch it like people complain about the exposition and it's like well he's trying to do james bond like yeah it makes sense within that context yeah without a cue or money penny or anything yeah uh-huh. like yeah. i feel like uh, i feel like if you look at it in terms of like he's doing these genre things that uh are very self-serious within themselves but maybe within like the broader context of movies we shouldn't take them as seriously or or just kind of accept them on their own terms i feel like people might enjoy them more right yeah but there's like a lot of like good heady stuff in here to consider, like the construction of memory and what memory is and how we like build our identity out of memory. But even that feels very like, you know, like 3 a.m. in a dorm room conversation sure. at a yeah, certain yeah, point. For sure. mm-hmm. But yeah. it, I mean, it, it can be interesting. Sure. But I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I can I can see both uh, his detractors and his fans points of view. Uh, I think this movie is really good, though. I think I his detractors it. are a bit harsh. I think yeah. they need to mellow out, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know his latest one. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah, more like Dumb Kirk. Am I right? <laughs> Wait, have you guys seen that? Yeah. Is yeah. It good? 
I really, I didn't like it at all. Oh. Yeah. I know a lot of people love it. Like I went onto the, so onto you the Reddit hate forums. <laughs> <laughs> I went onto the Reddit forums and everyone was fucking loving it. And I just, I was just like, why then do I dislike it so much? Uh, which is another podcast, but, uh, yeah, well, we talked, we talked about it. We kind of felt yeah. similarly. Yeah. Uh, I was reading more about it and kind of appreciating more about it because I do like the fact there's a war movie that doesn't glamorize violence or, or even really like nationalism. It's just kind of about these people trying to survive. But at the same time, like, yeah, like we're, we were talking about it before. Like it does seem like every thing that people don't like about Christopher Nolan is kind of cranked up to the max. <laughs> yeah. Like there's literally no women in the movie. Cause obviously it's a war movie. Yeah. It's, it's just nonstop. Like Hans Zimmer in your face all the time. Yeah. Like literally for two hours. That's it. Yeah. It was like, it was a little much for me. I don't know. Maybe I'll see it again and feel differently, but especially like it was, I'm never going back. It was visceral. It was very visceral, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, to be honest, like watching Memento and, and like I said, I, I watched the prestige from time to time. Uh, I would love him to just go back to like a little movie. Yeah. Like I know he's getting, getting money to make these giant IMAX war movies, but I would love yeah. to see him make a thriller or a, yeah, another yeah, noir. something like nicely contained. His, his small movies are great. Memento and, and insomnia. I mentioned, I really love that movie, uh, that he, he redid. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he's really great at it. Yeah, but I guess like I'm glad he's making giant blockbusters as well because only so many people are doing sort of interesting things with with, with that scale. Yeah, I mean yeah. everything you know, reboots and remakes and sequels aside, who else is making big original Hollywood movies? Who else is like making big stupid crazy movies that 17 year old boys can think are amazing and then you know reconsider later and then you know, maybe come <laughs> back around on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. He definitely he, yeah. He's taking B movies to be like a huge, huge. I mean, thing. not even B movies. They're just like not like subtle movies. Yeah, no. I think people critique them because they think he's trying to make a Kubrick movie, but I don't. I don't know that he is. Like, yeah, the Prestige is like a science fiction movie, really. Like, it's 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 a Twilight Zone episode. You know, yeah. it's, not to say the Twilight Zone isn't hired. It might be my favorite TV show of all time, but yeah. I don't know. I I just. I think he's uh, he's an all right guy, probably. <laughs> I think if you look past the accent and the suit, he's probably like he's probably a guy you could just have a beer with and like talk about how memories. Not just like George think. W. Bush. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you guys either, either you read the short story that this was based off? The one that his brother wrote. I did. No. Uh, Any impressions? Any I, memories? I read it in the year two thousand. <laughs> Don't remember. I guess uh, it's like a little bit different. Like it takes place in like a psychiatric ward or something like that, right? Yeah, and I think they've said that like. Yeah, the, uh, certainly like the, the D- DVD implies that, that that part of the short story is a part of the movie that, that, you know, th- if you went back further, the beginning of this movie, uh, would be oh. like him escaping from like a psych ward to go, uh, kill his wife's killer. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But they work well together, I think, him and his brother. Because yeah. they, they do a lot of movies together, right? Yeah. They're like Jonathan Charlie Nolan. and Donald Kaufman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they did Interstellar together, right? Yeah. But even though like Christopher Nolan wasn't supposed to originally be the director on that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was going to be a Spielberg movie for a while, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Crazy. Um, all right. Well, let's go around and decide whether or not this movie was rewatchable. Uh, Rob, what do you think? What was the question? Blaine, what did you think? <laughs> Write this down. No, what, what did you think, Rob? Hand me that tattoo gun. Uh, you know, I, I did think it was rewatchable. I was prepared for it to be like pretty 
shitty. You know, the conceit is so, like, obvious. Once you've seen it the first time, it seems like maybe there's not a a lot of reason to rewatch it. Because, like, a lot of times when it's a twist, a big twist, like... That's the whole like meaning experience of like the movie. It right. all sort of hinges on that. Like it, right. you know. You don't need to see it again because you know. Yeah, but I think that there solved. is like a lot of uh, there's a lot of like substance in the in the stuff, and I think like yeah, the structure is necessary. At times, it does feel like a little bit film school, but I also think like this was part of like a a movement of sort of like independent movies. Like this wasn't like an independent independent movie, but he was sort of like falling on the like the trail of those people who you know like Quentin Tarantino. Oh and, yeah. Yeah, no, he wrote this at Sundance and stuff like that. Like, yeah. He, he was mired in the independent world for sure. And like, it it's was. In the, it's in the Toronto Film Festival too. Yeah. 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 And it's such like, you know, it, it feels like in a way like those like a stylistic sort of Quentin Tarantino movies or uh, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's definitely rewatchable. I think, you know, people should give it a, a chance if they haven't already. <laughs> give this like giant movie that's <laughs> probably like on the yeah. IMDb 250. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, but... it probably is. But like, I think this movie also like, you know, allowed him to make those other big, huge movies. But it's still sort of maligned because the... Because the the thing seems so obvious. It's the kind of thing, yeah. Like they they'd have like memento posters, like in like university poster yeah. sales. Like it's yeah. yeah, it's it's hard to not feel like a little like knee jerk snobby towards. But this I think like like there's like the dumb people who like it because it's like kind of like whoa blows their mind, and then there's like the slightly smarter people who are like okay maybe it's not so great. But then I think they're even kind of dumb because they're not like you know it's a knee jerk reaction. It's a that, I think that's what it is to like the technique or whatever. Yeah. What about what about you, Blaine? I think I think it's great. I really loved rewatching this movie. I didn't I didn't, like you, Jam. I hadn't uh, seen it in about ten years, and it was really nice to rewatch it because it was kind of like seeing an old friend because I had watched it so much and told so many people about it, and it was one of those things those movies where people weren't watching it a lot at the theater um so when you get to like tell a friend like go see memento and they saw it they're like what you're you're right this was so crazy this is so good uh that you got to like solidify that friendship uh so it was very wow it was very nice uh movie to have as a teenager (laughs) a memento Uh, of your friendship (laughs) exactly (laughs) i forget who they are now but uh no um but yeah i uh i and i also think it's like a, a a knot of a movie right it's something that you have to untangle and that forces you to think and a lot of movies like that I mean you need to put a lot of thought into a movie like this and I think the requisite thought was put into it I think it succeeded on its own terms and that's very very hard to do when you're trying to trick the audience at every turn so I think that it's it's a pretty brilliant movie and I don't know what I think about Guy Pierce in that role. Honestly. Oh, really? I really? don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think any other actor could have done it too. I don't know if I liked Guy Pierce in that role. Honestly, I think he did a good job. I sort of see what you mean. He's sort of like understated for a lot of it, but I I like him and I think he's a great actor. Obviously, yeah. I also think he's good because he's kind of like he looks like he could just be a normal dude who like. When something crazy happened, he started like working out and getting <laughs> tattoos. Yeah. So like when you see him with his shirt off, you're like, oh, something's going on here. But when he just has that baggy beige suit on, he just kind of looks like a normal dude. Yeah. Uh, I will say this movie is more dated than I thought. I wasn't really thinking about like, oh yeah, this is all Polaroids and landlines <laughs> and like, like bleached hair. Like he kind of <laughs> looks like the singer from Everclear. Right. Yeah. And in that way, it does, it kind of feels more like an old film noir than a new film noir. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those old 2000s film noirs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed rewatching this movie, uh, more than I thought I would. I, it just works so well. Uh, 
It did almost feel like an old friend because I, I really liked it at the time. Uh, haven't revisited it. Uh, also, I, I do want to single out the the score. I thought was really yeah good. It was the kind of like like ambient synthy score that I feel like is more trendy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's, it's the kind of thing you see in like I don't know it follows or something. <laughs> right. Maybe not that that crazy, but right. you know it's it's. Uh, Again, like it's really memorable. Yeah, it's super memorable. And now, like, you know, with Dunkirk is all the crazy, and I just, yeah, I just kind of like it's so. This movie's so moody. We could, yeah. we could use less percussion, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, more ambient, less yeah. people shouting crazy words at Batman, mm-hmm. um, and it's more okay like a few jokes. Like this yeah. movie, this movie does, and it, it succeeds on that. I, I totally agree. Like, I, I had a really good time rewatching it, and even like I wouldn't have predicted that that 10 years down the road after seeing it so many times when I was younger, that there would be so much to unpack still, even in terms of like yeah. the actual narrative, like we would be discussing whether or not his wife had died or not. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't remember that, that it was kind of that open ended. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was good. Great. Really good. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, you can find all of our episodes at rewatchability.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash rewatchability, Twitter at rewatchability, patreon.com slash rewatchability. You can find, uh, information about donating a few bucks a month. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, HelloFresh and ND Mattress. And, uh, remember Sammy Jenkins. Yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.